hands together one more time. Let's give God a hand of praise. He's worth it. We'll be teaching all month long on the face-to-face relationship that God wants to have with you. The face-to-face relationship that He's paid for to give you. The face-to-face relationship that you and I as Christians have the opportunity to be a part of. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter number 33. Exodus chapter number 33. I want to start from the very beginning though. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he spent a week creating everything that you and me see and touch and and smell and everything. He created all the animals. He created the birds. He created the bees. He created the trees. He created everything that ever was, is, and is to come. But when it comes to earth, the Bible says he did it in seven days. Now, uh, there are philosophers that talk about he actually did it in a 24-hour period, and each day was 24 hours. There's other people that believe that it actually took longer than that, and there's scripture to back up the idea that one day it says to a thousand years, years to God. So really for us to compare a day to God's day, that's, none, that's neither here nor there. I'm not here to dissect that. But what I want to talk to you about is how it was in the very beginning. You see, God created everything and then he made Adam and Eve. He made humans, male and female, in his likeness and in his image. And when he did that, he did that because he wanted to be in fellowship, but he also wanted to be in relationship with his creation. So he made Adam Adam and Eve to have their own free will. That's why when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you can choose to flip them off or you can choose not to flip them off. If you go to this church and you have a New Heights bumper sticker, please choose not to. (laughs) If you go to this church and you're thinking about putting a bumper sticker on, get that part of your life fixed first, then put the bumper sticker. But along the way, we all have a free will. We can do what we want to do. So God says, Adam and Eve, here's the deal. I have created heaven and earth, and I want you guys to take dominion on it. I want you to take dominion over the earth. You guys are my representatives. You are my ambassadors in this arena, in this kingdom. And I want everything to be under your authority. Now, when he did that, Adam was like, great. So God, uh, at one point, was making all the animals. And Adam began to name them all. And he he named the zebra a zebra and a horse a horse. And uh, he named a a hippopotamus a a hippopotamus because he knew that every two-year-old that tried to say it, would say it funny. So everything about what Adam was doing was in relationship with God and there was no separation. We can extract from the scriptures that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve and talk with Adam and Eve. And everything was just going hunky-dory because there was no separation between the Creator and the created. Think about your children. You would not want to be separated for one minute from your children. That's the way God was. So what he did, he said, here's the deal, Adam. You can eat from all of these different trees. You can eat all of this. You can can do everything that you want. All I'm asking you to do, Adam, is leave this one tree alone. It's the first time we see the law of first fruits in the scripture where God attaches a precept And there is a promise that says you get to keep experiencing all of my goodness unfettered and unrestrained if you will just follow this precept. 
But the problem was there's a serpent, there is a devil, there is an enemy of God, and he came in very uh, crafty, and he began to speak with Eve. And he began to say, listen, Eve, if you guys eat of that fruit, you'll be like God. And that's why he doesn't want you uh, to have that, which is a lie. Uh, There was a portion of them where they would uh, definitely be like God, meaning they could understand good and evil. But before that, they didn't even understand good and evil. They didn't understand, right? right? There was no understanding. It'd be like a little baby. I have three. They're still babies to me, even though the youngest one is almost three. But whenever they're tiny and they're laying in the bed and they cry all night long, nobody goes and wakes a little baby up and go, now you stop sinning, little baby. You stop sinning and you go to sleep. Because that baby has zero understanding of right and wrong. If they had any understanding of right and wrong, they wouldn't do what they do in their diaper. I had no idea that a child can produce its own body weight every day. It was life-changing for me, I'll just have to say. But children, little babies, they have no idea. So effectively, Adam and Eve weren't walking around like babies, but they had no understanding of right and wrong. They they were naked and everything was fine with that. And, And this is another way that we know that everybody in heaven is skinny and in shape. Because the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. So everything was fine. They had no understanding of right and wrong. They had no understanding of what would, uh, what was, what was, you know, what would be not right to do. And then the devil convinced Eve to take a bite of that fruit and give some to her husband. And oh, by the way, guys, don't blame Eve because I can show you in scripture where he was standing there the whole time. He probably heard the the snake himself. And what he should have done was said, Eve, uh, a snake's not supposed to talk. Let's go somewhere else. But instead, he just ate of the fruit. And then what happened is just like God had been doing, he comes walking through the garden in the cool of the day and he's saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? And when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because you need to know the answer. So he says, where are you? And he says, well, we're hiding. Well, what are you hiding from? Because we're ashamed. We're naked. We don't want you to see us naked. Who told you you were naked? And Adam goes, that woman that you made me. And Eve goes, that snake that you made. And God says, you are responsible for your decisions. Not the snake, not your neighbor, you. And now, because of this decision... The greatest chasm that has ever been created is presented between you and me called sin. The interesting thing was in the beginning, you had Adam and Eve and they were walking around in the garden. They were hanging out with God and they're representative of these two cloths. You have here's mankind, uh, excuse me, uh, here's mankind and here's God, both completely clean. And if you touch them together, they remain clean and everything's fine. So Adam had no problem getting to God. God had no problem getting to Adam because there was no difference between them. Neither one of them ever done anything wrong. So he could go boldly before the throne room of God, make his request known unto him because he was righteous because he knew no sin at that point but then the devil comes in and convinces them otherwise and all of a sudden they begin to roll in the mud with the pigs and they come out completely and totally stained now you've got something that's unclean mankind 
that wants to get close to something that is clean, which is God. But the problem is when you take something unclean and touch something clean, the unclean doesn't get clean. The clean gets dirty. God is perfect. He's righteous. He's upright in all of his ways. He has absolutely no blemish in him. So whenever Adam wanted to get close, he said, you can't get close to him anymore. You will die. Because something that is clean, when it's touched by filth, shows it stains. So it's the same with Adam and Eve. They're sitting there and everything's going okay in their life until that moment. And now all of a sudden God says, you've got to get out of here. You can't even be around me because if you're around me, you're going to die. Get out of my garden. And the greatest plan in all humanity was put in place. You see, the problem was if Adam would have said, but dad, I love you and run to him and try to touch him. Bang, he's dead. And guess what would happen? The devil would have won. Because there would have been no offspring. Come on, somebody. There would have been no seed of David raised up to deliver you and me. Everything about our life would have changed if God would have let them live in their circumstances. But instead, he protected them. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter number 33. If you're not there, we're going to begin about number about verse 21. You'll, you'll find all through the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible... You'll find all through the Old Testament that it's prophecy and and types and shadows of who Jesus the Christ really is. So uh, God begins to establish after, after Adam and Eve get out of the garden, he begins to establish different things. But he develops a chosen people called the nation of Israel who to this day are still his people. God has not given up on Israel, and God will have a revival in Israel. But, but this is his people. He, he, he's very fond of them. And at some point in time, they become a slaves to the Egyptians. They become enslaved. They're building a kingdom that is not their own. They're building a place that is not their own. And it didn't begin that way. It began with a good relationship with a man named Joseph. But then Joseph died. And the Pharaoh that knew Joseph died. And then all of a sudden, what, what, what used to be a comfortable place now was bondage. How many of us in our lives, we start off and this place seems to be okay. And then we wake up and we're completely bound by it. I'll just do a little bit of whatever. And before you know it, you're completely bound by it. A drug dealer will give you your first hit for free. Because a little bit, and you can be bound by it. Your life has an opportunity to choose bondage or choose Christ. But we'll get to that. So he begins to raise up a deliverer named Moses. Now Moses was not raised by his earthly father, which is what separates him from all the other mankind and it's further prophecy of who Christ would be. And then after a certain point, he leaves a palace lifestyle where he's being raised by other people, by a different father, and he goes out into the wilderness and he encounters Jehovah God in, a, in the form of a burning bush. And the bush says, Moses, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you uh, to to Egypt and I'm going to use you to set my people free. That's what's going to happen. And Moses is like, wait a minute. Now, I can't even hardly talk and and I don't know and and I'm not sure. And God used several different signs and wonders to convince him. No, it's not because you chose me. It's because I chose you, Moses. And he sends him to, 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 to Egypt and he goes before the Pharaoh. He says, listen, now I serve a real God. 
I don't serve one of these lion-bodied, human-head kind of sissy gods that you guys make these big old things out of, these idols. I don't serve a God that you can grab with your hands. I serve the true God, Jehovah, who created the stars in the sky. He created the earth that you're standing on. He's the one that allows you to take your next breath. And if you don't let my people go, he is going to rain down all kind of stuff on your head. Pharaoh's like, bro, I don't see your God. Ten plagues come. And finally, the blood of a spotless lamb delivers God's people. And the, and the Egyptians go through the worst heartache imaginable. So Moses leads the people out of Egypt with all kind of riches and everything's going good. And if you keep coming to this church, we'll teach you all the specifics in between everything I'm skipping. But he goes through and he gets to the wilderness and he, and he gets to a place. And this is where we catch up in, verse, in chapter number 33 of Exodus. Verse number 21. Moses is talking with God and he gets to a place where he's, he's trying to, to, to get to a place where he's confident that God's with him. So he's telling him, he said, God, I am happy to serve you, but the only way that I can serve you is to know that you're with me. So he says, how can I know that you're with me? He says, God, let me see your face. God says, you can't see my face. If you see my face, you'll die. God could have gone because Adam and Eve ate of the tree. Because there's this cavern, this chasm between you and me right now. If you touch me, unclean rag, if you touch me, unclean rag, I'm going to be dirty and you'll die. I can't have that right now. You can't see my face. But God said this, you can't see my face yet. But here's the scenario. The Lord said, behold, There is a place, somebody say there's a place, place. by me, me. and thou shalt stand upon a rock. I'm reminded of that old hymn, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. From the very beginning, right there when Moses was begging God to see his face, the Bible says that he tells him right then, he goes, you got to understand there is a rock next to me. And if you will just stand on that rock, if you'll make your feet planted on that rock, you will have the opportunity to see my face just not yet. Verse number 22. And it shall come to pass when my glory passes by that I will put you in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. You see a perfect example of the Israelites right now. They don't have a Messiah yet, but if you talk to any Israeli at any time, they will talk to you about Messiah coming. They are standing on the rock that is next to Jehovah saying at some point, in some place in time, he's going to put us on the inside of that rock and we are going to be able to withhold his glory, which we couldn't do otherwise. Now you and me know that rock is Jesus. He's coming back one day. You and me know that rock is Jesus, but they're standing on it. And me and you, we have to receive the good news of the gospel of Christ. We have to receive the good news, the message of Jesus, and then stand on it by faith. Isn't it interesting? It says, and I will put you in the cliff of the rock. Do you remember Noah? He's the one who built a great big boat and put all kind of animals on it. Why didn't he swat the two mosquitoes on the boat? Come on, somebody. 
He built a boat. It took him a hundred years to build it. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And it flooded the whole earth. And all the wickedness of humanity was washed away. And Noah and his family was the ones saved. But the Bible says this, if you look it up. It says that when Noah went into the boat with his family, that God shut the door. You and me are required to be obedient. We're required to respond to the gospel of Jesus. But it is the hand of God that places you miraculously in the safety of the cliff to the rock. Amen? Amen. Open your Bible again, if you would, to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3. We'll move quickly through a few scriptures this morning. we got a long way to go this month. I'm going to teach this series all month long. It's going to be a powerful time. Verse number 26. Here's the scenario. He tells Moses, I will protect you by putting you in the cliff of the rock. And then he says this. He says, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, by faith. By faith, faith, you are the children of God. You are not your own. By faith, you are the children of the Most High God. You don't wake up one day and feel like a child, therefore you act like a a child of God, and then the next day you don't feel like it, so you decide to act like a heathen. No, my children, when they wake up every single morning, their last name is Hallam. They are my children. So when God is defining you, He's saying, You are my child by faith, which means when you don't feel like it, you got to tell yourself, David. When you're sitting in the, in the cave by yourself and nothing's going right and all hell is raging against you, you've got to tell yourself, But I'm a child of God. The creator of heaven and earth is who smiles down upon me, and I am his offspring. In whom shall I fear? Verse 27. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. The Bible says also that our righteousness is filthy rags before God. By the way, this is mud. (laughs) Just in case y'all are wondering, it's not brownie mix or anything like that. Am I getting hungry or is it just me? Our righteousness is filthy rags before God. So the problem is you can't take a a, a rag and wash it to its original state. You can get it clean, but microscopically you cannot get all the filth off that you put on. What you have to do is to be placed on the inside of the rock. Throw that scripture back up there. The Bible says that you and me who have said yes to Jesus Christ, we are put in Christ. So Christ now covers any and all of our faults. So whenever we go to the Father and He looks at us, He's saying, yeah, come on, guys. Everything's wonderful. I can get close to you. And He stays clean because you and me are put protectively in Christ. Remind yourself every single day who you are in Jesus. You are not your own. The Bible says you go boldly before the throne and make your requests known unto God and that you can cry out to God and say, Abba, Father, which is the exact same thing as my children running in the room and say, Daddy, I need you. 
You don't have to wonder, can I touch him? Can I not touch him? Can I get close to him? Can I not get close to him? You are clothed in Christ. You are placed in the rock. And because you are, you can go right directly to your father without any fear, without any worry of harm, without any worry of retribution. The Bible says, he became sin who knew no sin that you may be the righteousness of God. It's not your righteousness that got you here. It's not your righteousness that puts you in proper perspective with God. It's not your righteousness that places you in that right standing. So can we please all just get to the place where we decide we're going to trust Jesus as the righteous rock that we are held in by the hand of God. Your life has the opportunity. Some would say your life has the uh, 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 responsibility, which it does. But your life has the opportunity to get face to face with God. What would Adam have given to be able to hold his dad's hand again? What would Adam have given to be able to go back into that garden and say, Dad, I just want a hug. There's been times when I've been traveling and I'm away from my children and I just want to... I just want to touch them. Little Trinity, I can't walk out of the house because now the, my three kids are all different. I've got Haley, she's eight. I've got Walker Lee, he's five. And I've got Trinity that's almost three. Haley is the lovey-doveyest person you'll ever meet. I cannot leave without saying I love you seven times, hugging 25 times, 57 kisses. And 99.9% of the time, it's awesome, you know. But sometimes you're in a hurry and you're like, okay, baby, I love you. Daddy, one more. Okay, daddy, I love you. Daddy, one more. Walker Lee's like, dad, can I give you five? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, bud. And he's like, ow. Did that hurt? (laughs) Yeah, it hurt, buddy. Wow. And then there's Trinity. And she has to give me 57 hugs, 57 kisses, and then she's going to give me five. But she's the funniest one because she starts kissing you from across the room. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to look silly. She starts kissing you from here. Have you ever had God touch you and change you? Have you ever had the Spirit of God change who you are so strongly that you know you'll never be the same? It happens with a touch. Now, Adam was put in a precarious position. He could still hear God. We have Scripture to back that up. God could still hear him. But they couldn't have that fellowship. Think about a a prison scenario. You and me, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody who says they haven't is just a liar. You've done something wrong and it only takes one to get tainted. Just one. And you're separated. It's not that God can't hear you. Listen, I got plenty of people that I personally know that before they got born again, before they said yes to Jesus, God miraculously rescued them from some type of situation. 
save their life long enough that they would begin to stand on the rock and then be placed in the rock and then be right next to God. I know plenty of people that didn't even know how to pray and they found themselves laying on a, on a street somewhere knowing that if they were about to bleed and die from a traffic accident or a gunshot and they'll say, God, if you're real, save me. And they'll tell the story of how they saw a man come and touch them and the bleeding stopped and then the man went away and nobody knows where he came from. They go to church the next week. They give their heart to God. God can hear you. And you can hear God. But it's like you're in prison. You go to the glass thing. You know what I'm talking about? You go, you go to visitation and, and you pick up the phone and, and he picks up the phone and you're saying, I really need you. And he's going, I want to bless you. And you try to reach him and it's just, you hit the glass. Because unclean messes up clean. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's that he has precepts. Do we want to serve a holy God or a God that does everything we want? Because if he did everything we want, there'd be a lot of people that aren't on earth today. (laughs) Somebody cut you off in traffic, you'd be like, thunderbolt. Somebody would knock on your door at the wrong time. And you'd have like a push button trap door. Gone. And God would be like, well, I'm doing everything you want, Billy. But like, I'll tell you what, I want a truck that's 12 inches taller than it's supposed to be, super duper loud, and blue. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you. What if he'd have given you the first person you prayed to marry? Some of you got the first one, and that's great. What if he gave you the first one, y'all? If God did everything you wanted and he wasn't holy and he was tarnished by who we are, would he even be God? There is a separation that comes from uncleanliness. But God doesn't want the prison visitation relationship. He wants you face to face. And he proved it with three nails, a lot of stripes on his back, pierced scalp with a crown of thorns, and a hole in his side jabbed by a spear just to make sure he was really dead. He proved it by carrying a rugged cross up a rock hill while a bunch of Middle East terrorists mocked him. It's in the Middle East. This is not new what we see on the news, okay? People don't like Israel. But the God who never sleeps nor slumbers watches over Israel. It's your life and my life. God has given us this unique opportunity to live face to face. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Could you imagine 
what you as a parent, or if you're not a parent yet, just try to imagine with me, what you would do to get back in fellowship with your child. I've heard of people uh, uh, taking out separate mortgages because their, their, their loved one, their, their, their child is in prison. They're trying to pay for the attorney and they're trying to, to do this. And if we could just find some kind of technicality, no one, in some situations, people are just guilty. But a parent is still going, we can get, we can get them off somehow. We, we can figure out a way to get them out of there because the parent just wants the fellowship. Just the relationship. Just let me touch my child. Let me hold hands. Let me get one of those 20-foot kisses from across the room. I personally will do anything. The creator of the universe has no restriction on him. So what he did was pay the price that neither you nor, nor I could pay ourselves. He sent his only son from heaven to live a sinless life that he might willingly pay the price for you and for me. To destroy the chasm of sin and to bridge the gap so that we can live face to face with God. It's an opportunity, the greatest of all opportunities on planet earth today. And he offers it freely. I'd ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head if you would. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.